Hey there, Four States. This is Luke Taylor, and welcome to today's edition of the KNEO Community Connection. We are welcoming back onto the program State Senator Jill Carter. She's our uh, state senator for the 32nd district here in Missouri. And so that covers, uh, that's a, a lot of our coverage area, including right where KNEO is located. And we are so grateful for her time to chat with us about different issues. Uh, hey, Senator Carter, thanks for joining us again. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, I know we're talking about something that's very important to you and something that maybe a, a lot of the voters out there in Missouri might not even know much about. It's IP reform. And so um, what, what do you want to tell us about that? So let's start off by it, it, this is something that is super, it's super important to me. I think it needs to be the priority of every citizen in the state of Missouri. Um, and let's, let's define what IP reform is. Um, and IP reform stands for Initiative Petition. And so you've seen some issues across the state get passed through this process. Um, and what it is, is it's gathering signatures to try to get an issue on the ballot. Um, in the Missouri Constitution, Section 1 of the Missouri Bill of Rights says all political power is vested in the people and that they basically loan it to the government. And then Section 3 says that the power, the people of Missouri, is given for them to alter their own constitution. And so IP reform is based on those two principles of the Missouri Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And the, the petition process is usually the last recourse um, that's used to assert those powers. So in a failure for the legislature, you know, if the people think that, that the legislature is failing to respond to a need or desire, um, they can go out on their own, gather signatures from across the state, and if they garnish enough signatures and those are vetted by um, by those who ha are voters, then that initiative, that issue goes on the ballot. And so what we're seeing um, and have been historically seen is that process being utilized to bring in special interest um, from national, national big special interest groups. Mm -hmm. We saw that with the... Medicaid expansion. We saw that with um, the marijuana issue. Mm -hmm. And so what we're starting to see is some of these special interests come in and utilize the initiative petition process for their own agenda. And so talking about IP process and reforming that IP, IP process is something that the legislature has been discussing for three or so years um, on what is the best way to do that. And last year, last legislative session, I filed um, what's called a concurrent majority IP reform. And so concurrent majority, you think of it like um, our electoral college. So there's two processes that have been talked about in reforming I the IP process, mm -hmm. the initiative petition process, which one is to raise the threshold of passage to go beyond just a simple majority. So right now you have 50 plus one, you know, majority, simple majority of the popular vote. And that puts that in our state constitution. It alters the state constitution. Again, we saw this with the marijuana issue, which altered the state constitution to be on nearly 20 pages now that's been altered into our state um, constitution. And it makes it very difficult to change any of those things legislatively is because, again, you have to go back and change the state constitution. So that's a hefty lift. So that's one way that we've discussed um, changing the initiative petition process. Again, just changing that threshold to a higher number. 
where you have to get now 60% or 57%, you know, that based on whatever number you think um, might be palpable to the citizens of Missouri to raise that popular vote. Um, it makes it more difficult to do that. You have to obviously have more of a majority to do that. The problem with that is that that's been tried in several other states. South Dakota tried that, Arkansas, and most recently, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And all of them have failed. Again, remembering what the, the purpose of the IP process is, is for the people to be able to respond or react or to rein in government when it fails to respond. So you can, I'm sympathetic. We're all sympathetic to the wants and the need and desire of that not be um, raised necessarily because it takes more of an effort to do that, mm-hmm. to rein in government at that point. So we, we feel like, I feel like, and there's somewhat of a consensus that feels like that's the reason why those higher thresholds have failed in the states that they've been tried. Okay. Um, any questions? <laughs> it's a well, yeah. really heavy, heavy issue. It's, it's complex, but it's something that can be explained. Um, do you have any questions up to this point? Yeah, well, yeah. So this is something where you know you. I think you're very fair in how you put it out there because I can see both sides of the issue as well. Um, but if if this IP form, if it would not go into place in Missouri, what are some of the risks that people might want to know about for Missouri's future when it could be so easy to change the constitution? Very good. So what we're looking at and why this is becoming so so important again is because we're kind of seeing these special interest groups come and use it, weaponize it, the process, um, the marijuana issue. But now there has been, let's see, I think it was 11, 17 petitions for abortion to be a right in our state constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, 11 of those were submitted by one group and six were submitted by another group. And again, these would all create constitutional protections for a right to an abortion up to the full nine months of pregnancy. Four would require the legislature to fund health care provider seeking funding. And so that's something that we have taken on. Um, it's been a big issue in the legislature um, to defund taxpayer-funded abortions. And this, these IP petitions, some of them, would completely reverse Missouri's pro-life stance. So... Again, it's something, it's a really big issue. It's something that, that we're facing. It does need addressed, but how to do that with, with equity and without erasing the intent of the IP form, IP reform process is, is really important to me. So what we, what we, um, have proposed, what I proposed last legislative session was what's called a concurrent majority, which mirrors the, the, um, electoral college where instead of just having Kansas City, St. Louis, and some of the more urban areas where the population is more condensed, mm-hmm. usually these special interests target those areas because all they have to have is a, a simple majority of passage. So what happens, um, what, we, what concurrent majority would do is it gives an equal voice to everyone across the state. So it doesn't change the threshold. It's still a 50 plus one to pass, but you have to have, and there's some deliberation on whether we do congressional districts, Senate districts, or House districts. Um, but we love the idea of concurrent majority, um, a majority of conservatives do, simply because, again, it's not changing that threshold. 
but it gives, you have to have buy-in from the House, Senate, or Congressional Districts, 50 plus one. Hmm. So you, you know, you have eight congressional districts, you have to have a majority of those districts. If you do House districts, same thing. And it just makes it to where the rural areas have an equal voice in how we change our state constitution. Yeah, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, we we want the constitution to be difficult to change because, um, well, if we if we compare it to the United States Constitution, like the federal constitution, um, I think you need like sixty seven percent, like two thirds of all the states have to agree to change that constitution. Isn't that right? Right. Yes. And so again, um, there I, we don't we don't want it easily changed, but the threshold is not it's not been successful anywhere that it's been tried to yeah. just change the, the threshold. And I think some of it is the question of, well, we want, again, especially with the trust issues with our government at this point, we don't want it to be so difficult that, that people with moral values can't rein in their government, mm-hmm. you know? So if it makes it easier or harder for special interests, it also makes it harder for us. Mm-hmm. And we're the ones who usually don't have a lot of funding, right? If it's a, if it's a principled issue, oh, right. it makes it very difficult um, to raise funds. It takes millions and millions of dollars to sometimes get these initiatives on the ballot. So that's where the, we're kind of in a tight spot. Yeah. So going back to the concurrent majority just makes it to where we could educate our neighbors a lot easier. Um, your local central committees could have more deliberation because it would be more of a local issue, driven issue, if it were a House, Senate, or Congressional um, based on passage. It would be just a lot easier to have those conversations than a statewide, where a lot of times the rural areas are just totally kept out of the conversation altogether because, again, the education and the momentum and money is poured into those more urban areas. Hmm. We had 23, 24 central committees from across the state pass um, resolutions in favor. Republican central committees passed resolutions in favor of the concurrent majority. Um, it seems like that kind of that is where the momentum is simply because that, the goal isn't to try to you know we kind of get on one or two issues uh that we don't want to see passed but again you don't want to you don't want to weaponize it against yourself either you know so mm-hmm. having a majority of people representative from across the state um just seems to be the best way to be able to to ensure that that everyone's represented. The values of Missouri is represented by all people. Yeah. Well, and I guess another way to look at this is that um, any advancement we've made in Missouri history, you know, any progress we've ever made in the legislature, all that is is put at significant risk as long as changing the Constitution is so easy. Wouldn't that be right? Yes. Yeah. No. And that, so here's, here's another little tidbit. Um, something I've been watching really closely um, is what's going on with, in New Mexico with the governor, um, basically through emergency orders, taking away and pausing the Second Amendment rights of their citizens. Hmm. And we have also had, coupled with that, we've also had three petitions filed that would limit Second Amendment rights in Missouri through the initiative petition process. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not very hard to say, you know, based on what we've passed most recently, and what we see being filed is, again, these special interest groups coming in and trying to change and undermine our what we see as constitutional rights or protections mm-hmm. um, for life and the, those things that we hold most dear. Hmm. 
Well, uh, just one more thing I'd like to ask you about, uh, Senator Carter. Um, so I, I know this is something that you're working on right very currently um, that you've been urging the, the governor, it looks like, um, to call a session to, 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 to discuss this. And um, you're wanting to get a have a special election ballot for a public vote on this proposal. Um, and so is, is that something you're hoping to get done this year or would that be for next year? Well, we need to, if the governor were to call for a special session, which is within his right, um, that means that we, as the House and the Senate, need to come together on what it looks like we want to put forward to the people. And that is something that we could very easily do um, if we could build a consensus in the legislature. And it could go on the ballot um, next year prior to these IP initiatives being um, put on the ballot. So... We have a, a small window of opportunity here within the next year um, to pass something that would really be beneficial as far as IP reform. Mm-hmm. And this year, this coming legislative session is kind of the deadline. At the end of May of next year, um, if we don't pass something, then we will be too far behind in the process to try to get something ahead of all of this. So okay. engagement right now is is really important on this issue. Yeah. Yeah. So I okay. So there's an urgency to this. Um, so what do yeah. people need to be? I don't know. Calling the governor's office or what? What would you recommend? You know, people within your constituency. What would you recommend for them to do if they want to see action taken on this? I've I've been in touch with the governor's office. He's willing to hold something again. It, I would contact um, the speaker of the house. He's the one who kind of initiates the priorities for the house, and ensuring that concurrent majority is the priority is is the mechanism to to help this get across the finish line. Again, there were two two goals, two ways to amend it and reform it. One was the threshold. That did get out of committee last year in the legislature, but that's not something, again, we've seen nationally that just does not go anywhere. It fills at the ballot. So concurrent majority is something that has more of an appetite. And um, we have more of an app, there's more of an appetite for that. And even among people that differ with us um, politically, they seem to like that idea better, too, because it's not silencing their voice. So concurrent, I would say, give the speaker a call, ask for support for a concurrent majority, and help us make it a priority for this next legislative session. Hmm. Okay, well, hey, Senator Carter, thank you so much for taking the time today to just educate all of us on this and, and share um, wh- why it's important and ex- explaining it all to us. I, I just appreciate you doing that. And if people, you have a great newsletter um, that also lays out a lot of these things. And so if people want to stay in touch with you and keep up to date on everything that you're doing, uh, what's a way for them to, I don't know, stay in contact or, or get on this newsletter list? Oh, we'd love that. So just email Carter at Senate mo.gov and just ask me put on the newsletter and we'll get you on. Okay. Well, hey, uh, so this has been Luke Taylor with your Canio Community Connection and this has also been uh, Senator Jill Carter speaking with us today. Uh, thanks again for your time. Hey, thank you so much, Luke. Thank you, everyone.